Bless God. Hallelujah. Turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 21. Palm Sunday. Praise the Lord. Amen. Bless God. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you to reach out to neighbors and friends and bring them to the, invite them to the house of the Lord. You know, the Bible says go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. You know, give them a reason to come to the house of the Lord. Invite them. Let them know that you've been blessed. You are being blessed in the house of the Lord. Amen. So we encourage you to invite your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, whoever, to come to the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we're celebrating Palm Sunday. We're remembering what took place back on that day that we call Palm Sunday. The day that we call is also called the triumphant entry when Christ was on His way, on a mission, and He was going into Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we all read the verse this morning. The men read it. You've heard it read. Whereas they were, Christ sent His, his men ahead of Him to prepare the way and to go get a donkey, and they, they made the way. And when Jesus was coming in, uh, to Jerusalem, he had already worked many, many miracles, did many teachings and preachings, and, and the people heard him, and the people saw what was being done, miracles and everything. And they were expecting the Messiah, the one who was going to come and deliver them from the Roman rule, to deliver them from the oppression and all that corruption of the day. Praise the Lord. Don't we wish someone would come today to deliver us from all the corruption of this world? Amen? Well, someone did. Someone already has delivered us from corruption of this world. His name is Jesus. They were looking for someone to sit on the throne, to sit on that place and rule, to restore righteousness and, and to do away with evil and to do away with all, all manner uh, of corruption and, and things that 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 destroy. Amen? And then so they knew Jesus had the power. They saw Him working miracles and signs and wonders. They heard the words of Christ. And so they were expecting that He was going to go there and grab the, the one who was on the throne and said, get off, this is my seat. But that's not what Jesus was about to do. Well, someday He is and someday He will. The Bible says when He comes again, Jesus said He's coming again. Jesus said He's coming again. Amen. Amen. And He will. And when He comes the second time, He is going to sit on the throne and rule the nations and the kingdoms of this world. He will establish righteousness on the face of the earth, the Bible says. So we got something to look forward to. When, if we're alive, when the, when, when we will be caught up to be with Him, when He comes again, He will rule and reign on the face of this earth for a time and a season. And then, after that, there's a, I'm not going to go preaching all into that, but eventually the, the New Jerusalem will come down where we will rule and reign with Him and live with Him forever. Amen? But Jesus had a plan. Father God had a plan. He knew ahead of time what He was going to do. Right? And so when He brought Christ, and Christ declared, I've worked miracles and all, He was on His way into Jerusalem. And the people had expectations. They were expecting Jesus to do something on their behalf. They wanted Jesus to, to get all these bad guys and bop them. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say, no, yeah. That's the, they were expecting Jesus to take over. 
And so they were shouting, Hosanna. They got all the things and they were shouting, Hosanna. And, and you heard it. And when Jesus first went into Jerusalem, all their expectations were, they were saying, yes. Because the first thing when he went into Jerusalem, if you look at verse number 12, and Jesus entered the temple, he went into Jerusalem, they were shouting, Hosanna! Here comes the king! He's gonna set everything right! Everything's gonna be put in order now! And Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he walks into the temple. And they're all looking at him. The ones that were waving the palm branches and shouting Hosanna, their eyes are fixed on him. What's he gonna do now? And he walks into the temple and cast out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers. Well, what an entry that was, huh? And their people are saying, yes, here he goes. He's going to restore righteousness. He's going to rule and reign. He's going to get rid of all these corrupt people. That's the first thing he did when he entered Jerusalem. Imagine that. Jesus walking in, throwing them out, getting a whip, and the Bible says he drove them out. And overturned their tables. That wasn't a peaceful scene, was it? Huh? No. But were the people loving it? Oh yeah. The money changers weren't loving it. The corrupt weren't loving it. But those that wanted righteousness were loving it. Saying, yes, now the time has come. And so he was, he said, he, in verse number 13, he said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. So everything seemed to be going the way they thought it was going to be going. And then he walks up to the fig tree. And the fig tree didn't have any fruit on it. So he curses the fig tree. So they thought everything was going to be the way they wanted. They had expectations in Jesus. They thought he was going to do what they they thought he was going to do. But how many of you know God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts? God does things the way he knows how to do them. He's wiser than you or me. Can I get an amen? God's the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. He sees the whole thing. He knows the whole thing. He sets the whole thing in order. God doesn't sit up there to read the the local heavenly newspaper to see what's happening on earth. God knows what's happening on earth. God doesn't have to sit down in front of his cable TV station up there and say, let's see what's happening in Bloomsburg today. What's the weather there? God knows, right? God's at work in the lives of every individual. He's the one that brings the winds and brings the, the the everything that we have. He brings the seasons upon us. He brings the rain. He brings the snow. You can't have rain without the Lord. You can't have snow without the Lord. He's creator of heaven and earth. The Bible declares in Isaiah, just as the water goes up, and, and that's the whole cycle of hydration, of, of, of rain. It goes up and it comes down. And who does that? The Lord does it. So the Lord knew what he was about to be doing in Jerusalem when he was walking in on that day when they were shouting his praises. And when they realized that he wasn't going to be sitting on the throne, but he was put in chains and spit upon and mocked, their hearts sunk. This isn't what we expected. We expected him to rule and reign, and now he's chained. Now they're taking him away to beat him and mock him. And so their expectations all of a sudden were busted. The bubble broke. And they said, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on here? Why doesn't he respond the way we, we want him to do? And when things happen 
when things in life happen the way we don't expect them to, we there's questions start raising in our minds and thoughts. Well, what happened? How come it went wrong? How come it didn't work out? How come it didn't go like we thought it was going to go? How many of you know life is like that? How many of you here have gone through life where everything always went every way you thought it was going to go and every way you wanted it to go? Is there anybody in here? I would like to talk to you if you... Huh? Nobody. Life makes its twists and turns. Life, life doesn't go on the way we think or expect it to, does it? We would like to see things go the way we think it should go, but who knows better, God or us? And everything, the Bible says, all things work together for the good of those who love Him, who walk according to His Spirit. And so here, things weren't going right, and there's, some of them started to have questions. And even His lovely disciples, did they, were, were, did they ever have uh, doubts about Jesus or has their expectations of Christ ever waver? Look at Mark chapter 4. Go with me to Mark chapter 4, verse number 35. You know his wonderful disciples. We are disciples. Are you a disciple of Christ? How many of you know we, we're not better than, than those back in the boat? Huh? We've got something that they didn't have, but we're, the, we're, we're, we're disciples. And the same day, Jesus said to them, and the same day when even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Ah, uh, when we become born again, when, when we're, when we're walking with Jesus, everything's gonna be lovely and smooth. No more problems, no more troubles. True or false? No, that's not right. You'll face all kinds of things, won't you? Don't let anybody tell you that you give your life to Christ and everything will be lovely, fine, don't worry about a thing. No, that's not the gospel. Jesus wants us, calls us to walk with him. He said to his disciples, let us pass over. Let us pass over to the other side. Let us go over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. How, 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 how do you think they felt having Jesus in their little boat and the other boats out there? And they're saying, ha ha, we got Jesus with us. Jesus is in our boat. I don't know about you guys. Don't, we ain't got nothing to worry about. Jesus is in our boat. And it says there were other little ships. So the other guys are rowing their little ships, and they're saying, well, how come Jesus didn't ride in our little ship? Why is he, what's he doing with them? And they're saying, huh? Yeah, we got Jesus in our ship, baby. Yeah. Yeah, come on. That's right. That's right. If Jesus was in your boat and, and somebody else was rowing alongside, don't tell me. And, you know, you, Jesus is, you know, Jesus is a miracle worker here. They're human. They're, you know, these people are human. They got emotions. They got feelings. Now here with Jesus, they're rowing away and smiling and, and Jesus is in their boat and woohoo, yeah. We got Jesus in our life, right? And we're journeying through life with Jesus in us. And then what happens? And there arose a great storm. Not a little wind. It didn't get breezy outside. It came a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship. Scroll up a little, Lindsay. And the waves beat it to the ship so that it was now full. Uh-oh, problem. <laughs> the rowing's getting a little tougher now with Jesus in the boat. huh? And life is blowing its billows and the storms are around them. How many of you go through life and it seems like things are getting worse and worse and worse? huh? And you say, ah, oh, things can't get any worse. And then the next thing you know, we're saying, oh my goodness. 
How many of you have been in those situations? Come on, be honest. Huh? Were you thinking we're, could it get any worse than this? And then the next thing you know, here comes a big wave. And Jesus is in, Jesus is in the boat with you. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. He's sleeping. And the storms are raging and you're thinking you're gonna die, you're gonna drown. The boat's gonna go, the boat's gonna go over, capsized. That's it, we're done. Jesus is in the boat sleeping. Or so they think. God never slumbers nor sleeps, the Bible says. The Bible says God never slumbers nor sleeps. The the here says that he was asleep, but it did, did it mean that he was unaware of what was going on? Jesus, his eyes may have been closed, and the body physically may be asleep, but he's God. He knew exactly what was going on. And here he is. And he and they said to him, Master, carest not that we perish? They didn't expect the storms. They didn't expect Jesus to be sleeping while they were going, you know, struggling with the storm. And they said, don't you care? When we go through stuff in life, do you ever raise the question sometimes, Lord, don't you care what I'm going through? See how tough this is for me, Lord? How I'm struggling with this? And I don't know if I can make it through. Come on, be honest. How many of you have struggled in situations where we say, Lord, where are you? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't, don't you know what I'm facing here? Look how, look how, look how this is too much for me. How it's, it's overwhelming me. I, I don't know if I'm going to make it through. God is not asleep. God is not asleep. He's in your boat. And it says, and he arose and he rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. One word from the Lord, and the storms of your life could be calm. But when Jesus was giving them, was teaching them, teaching us a lesson, that when Christ is in us, when we're with Him, fear not. Though you go through the waters, you will not drown. Though you go through the fire, you will not be burned, because the Lord is with you. You know, we, we've got to understand, Jesus said to them, let us go. Let us go. Go is a, go. God calls us all to, to walk with Him. Let us, let us go. That's a calling. To walk with Jesus. But let us, Jesus says let us. Us is a relationship. Let us. Let us, Bloomsburg Community Church, walk together. Let us grow together. When we say let us, it's not lettuce and tomatoes, it's let us we let us means together in unity. Let us together journey over. And Jesus is talking to them and he's trying to teach them that no matter what the, the situation of life around you, understand I am with you and let us walk through this journey of life together. And when Jesus decides to distill the storm, he'll still it. When Jesus wants the storm to rage, the storm will rage. But through it, we'll grow. Through it, we'll, we'll understand, we'll come out better, we'll come out stronger. Jesus never says, let us go on the calm seas and set the sail and just cruise along with me very, very gently to the other side. We're on a journey from this life to the kingdom of heaven. 
And on this journey, let us travel with Jesus. And though the storms may blow, though the storms may come, let us understand Jesus is in our boat. And our expectations are that we know that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus didn't bail out with a life jacket and swim ashore and leave them guys there. And Jesus is never going to bail out on you. In your struggles of life, in everything you face in life, Jesus is never going to bail out on you and leave you on your own and say, see you later, guy. I hope it works for you. That's not Jesus. Jesus says, I'm with you. Don't you care that we drown, Jesus? What about Matthew chapter 11? Go with me to Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he was the forerunner of Christ. He was preaching. John the Baptist said, "One, there's coming one greater than I, whose, whose, whose latches I'm not even worthy to undo or to tie or whatever. And he said, John was preaching about Jesus. John baptized Jesus in the Jordan. Remember? What happened when Jesus came up out of the water? The Holy Spirit came as a dove, right? And, and, and declared him to be the Son of God. Listen to him. John was pointing everybody to Jesus, the King, the Messiah. John the Baptist, just like those crying Hosanna when Jesus entered Jerusalem, thought that Jesus was going to take over the throne and do away with corruption and unrighteousness. And he will. He has, he will. But John was preaching. And then John was put in prison. He even went to, 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 to her and said, you're living in sin. Pointed out to him. And what was the result? He got thrown in prison. And while he was in prison, there was, there was that evil corruption there that, that they were about to take John the Baptist's head off. And John, from prison, sent messengers to Jesus. When now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, John knew Jesus was the one. He knew that he was working signs and wonders and miracles. He knew Jesus could just say the word and those prison doors would open. He could just say the word and Herod would just fall dead. And John would come out of the prison singing hallelujah, praise the Lord. But did that happen? John was expecting Jesus to rescue him from the prison, from being captured in in, 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 in that in that prison, from the martyrdom that awaited him. How many of you will look forward to being martyred? No, you don't, brother. Don't say that. That's good. Uh, I'm, but John sent his men, and he sent two of his thought, and he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? John was expecting Jesus to deliver him out of that situation where his life was being threatened. And he said, Are you the one that's going to deliver me? Or should I look for somebody else? There was nobody else to look to. But why did he say that? Why did John the Baptist say, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? John didn't understand Jesus is walking into Jerusalem what his purpose was in the season and time that God's plan. Jesus will come again. And when Jesus comes again the second time, he will rule and reign as the righteous king. Then he will do away with this. But John didn't understand at that point, and the disciples didn't understand at that point, that Jesus came and walked into Jerusalem on that day for a specific purpose and plan. And it wasn't to overthrow the kingdoms of this earth at that time. It was for another purpose and another cause. And John 
lost his head, was killed, was slain. Jesus didn't open that prison door for John. He could have, but he didn't. Do we have the answers to why he didn't? No. We know John was killed, was slain. Did John lose faith? No. Do we lose faith if something doesn't go the way we expect it to go? And Jesus, why aren't you delivering me from this? Believers have expectations of Jesus. How many of you know that around the face of this earth, people are struggling with oppression, with injustice, with all manner of stuff, and people are crying out? How come? But what is our expectations of Jesus? Someday, Jesus said one day when he comes, when we see him coming the second time, he's going to put an end to all injustice on the face of this earth. He will put an end to all of that stuff. But in the meantime, Jesus came to put an end to do something else when he walked into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Jesus had expectations when he was walking into Jerusalem on that Palm, on that Palm, we call Palm Sunday, that triumphant entry. Jesus was walking in and he didn't want the people to see him as the king who was going to go sit on the throne to do away with all the corruption and evil. Jesus wanted us to see him as the savior, as Messiah, coming for a greater purpose that he was coming to save you and me, to save them and every person that would ever live from that point on and to save every person that ever lived from that point previous, that he would come to save us from our sin. Jesus' only reason for going into Jerusalem was to save you and I from our sin. That's the only reason he went into Jerusalem and went to Calvary's cross. He's going to deal with the kings of this earth and the kingdoms of this earth at a certain time, point in time. He will overthrow them and he will establish his righteousness. But Jesus came for, a listen to me, a greater purpose than that. He came with the purpose of delivering you from sin, delivering me from sin, delivering us from sin that had us separated from God. And if we were separated from God from our sins, what did it matter if Jesus overthrew the kings of this world if we were still dead in our sin? Jesus went into Jerusalem on that day to go that we might see Him. Jesus expected us to see Him as Savior, as Messiah, who would deliver us from our sin. This world doesn't talk about sin, doesn't want to mention sin, but the reason the Son of God came on that day was to walk and to do away with our sin, to become the Lamb of God, as we're going to preach on Friday. But Jesus had expectations that the people would see that he came to set us free. He had a purpose that he wanted us to see our need. We have a need. People have a need as sinners. That is why from the Old Testament all the way through, God made clear, God pointed out one thing to mankind, that you have sinned against me, God said. Everyone. The Bible says there is not one that is righteous, not one. The Bible says we all have sinned and gone our own way. This is what the Bible declares, and the world tries to wash that away. But you can't wash it away. Truth remains. Truth is truth, 
and it will not be voided. God says that all have sinned, all have sinned, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God, because he loved us, because God loves you, said I'll make a way to get right with you, for you to get right with me, so that I can work in your life, that I can let you know my love and my peace. So Jesus, God sent in the fullness of time, the Bible says, God gets sent his son that he might become sin for us. So Jesus was walking into Jerusalem, not to bop the king off the throne at that time, but he was coming to remove sin from our lives. That we might see, Lord, we need someone to deal with our sin, to take cleanse us of our sin. Never mind the king, we need, we need the sins of our lives cleansed. And Jesus was saying, my expectation is that people would see that today. Today, the expect, expectations of Christ is that everyone would see their need as sinners, that they need someone to come and take away their sin. Who can do that? Only Jesus can do that. Jesus expects us to have, Jesus' expectancy of us, of people, is to, is to have faith. Small things come in, I mean, great things, good things come in small packages. Guys, when you gave your when you gave your wife that 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 engagement ring or whatever ring, how big of a package was it? Huh? Small. But oh, what a what a what a God. Jesus has an expectation that we would take hold of faith. And Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you don't need a big truck full of faith. You need the faith of a mustard seed, and you can move things in your life. You can turn things around in your life. You can change your whole life by the, with the faith of just a little mustard seed. Yes, God says that we can have faith that can grow and exercise it. But just one little mustard seed of faith, God said, God, Christ expects us to have that faith in Him, in God. That faith of a mustard seed that would change things around. Jesus expects us to know and understand that He's in the boat with us. No matter what you go through in life, Jesus wants us to know we're in the boat with him, that he's in the boat with us. One thing we have that those disciples didn't have. One thing we have that John the Baptist didn't have. And that's the Holy Spirit in us that makes us cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. And this is why the Holy Spirit, even as we look at Christ going into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, they were looking for something, but the Holy Spirit in us makes us understand that Jesus came to wash us clean of our sins, to make us sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that in this life, the, Jesus says you'll be in this world, but not of it. Jesus meaning, when, you, when Jesus said you'll be in this world, it means that there's going to be storms that are going to rise up and rage around your life. There's going to be situations that are going to be hard walking through. There's going to be situations where the storms of life and the winds blow and it, and it looks like everything is going to be destroyed or turned upside down. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit in us, makes us understand that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He will see you through the situation, the circumstances of life. But more importantly, the Holy Spirit wants you to understand that Jesus is in us, came into our lives, 
not only to, to, to calm the storms, much greater, much greater a reason than that is Jesus came into our lives to cleanse us inwardly, to let us develop righteousness and holiness inwardly. And when we develop righteousness and holiness in us, we walk through life in a whole different way. We see the storms of life in a whole different manner. And it doesn't mean that we won't be affected by them, but it says that we will see them in a whole different way and walk through them in a whole new manner. In Matthew chapter 11, verse number 6. I just want to go there. We're going to end shortly, just in a minute. Jesus began to say, when, the, when John sent his, his men, and Jesus says, go tell them. Tell them what you saw. You've seen me working miracles and all this. And then as the crowd that was around Jesus, as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes, uh, well, I'm sorry, verse 6. And Jesus ended this. He said, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. When it seems like your prayer hasn't been answered, do you get offended at Jesus? Do you say, well, what's the matter, God? How come you didn't obey my command? We don't command God. But some people live like they command the Lord. You must do this, Lord. You must do this. And if it doesn't happen, well, must be no God. I've had a lot of people say, oh, I prayed. I believe God. I, and God didn't do it. So there, there, there's no God. Oh, there's a God. God is in heaven. Surely, surely there's a God in heaven. But we don't command God. God is not our servant. We serve him. Father, let your will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Do we declare the word of God? Do we confess the word of God? Yes, we do. But we confess the word of God, understanding He is sovereign. He is mighty. He is Lord. He is all-wise. He is all-knowing. And it's God's way, not my way. So Jesus says to them, Blessed is the man who shall not be offended in me. If your expectations for something don't come about, don't get mad at Jesus. Jesus, thank you for washing away my sin. Thank you for saving me. Is there anything greater than that? Jesus has reconciled us to Father God through washing away of our sin. And then are we going to say, well, I'm not going to serve the Lord anymore because, because he, didn't, he didn't make me pass my test. Hello? What's more important? Jesus cleansing you of your sin and making you a new creation in him? Or are you passing a test? You're a new creation in Christ. And because you didn't pass the test, you're going to walk away from the Lord? You're going to raise your fist at God and say, if God doesn't answer the prayer just when you think he should, God answers prayer. But sometimes we want that now. And if it's not now, we say, where are you, God? Is there a sign that says back in 15 minutes? Or did you go on vacation somewhere? Are your business hours closed? Where, where are you? Blessed are they whosoever shall not be offended in me. We pray prayers of faith and we believe God. We confess the word of God. But he's the, he's the final say. He's the author and finisher. Listen, he's the author and finisher of our faith. We pray in faith. We confess the word of God in faith. But the Bible declares he is the author and finisher of our faith. I'll stand and believe God with, with you for anything. But he's the final say. And if it doesn't happen immediately the way we see it, I'm not going to be offended. I'm, my expectations of God are not going to fall less. He is Lord and He is Savior. He is God. 
And just go, go up to me, Matthew, I just want to look at these. Matthew eleven seven. Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what went you out into the wilderness to see? What were you expecting? He asked the multitudes three times, what were you expecting to see? Why did you go out there? What were you expecting? And that is what Jesus is asking people in the world today. What are you expecting to see? A show? What are you expecting to see? A John, a reed shaken in the wind? What are you expecting to see? Jesus wants us to see Him as Savior and Lord. There is nothing that we, that Jesus expects more than our eyes to be opened. I once was blind, but now I see that Jesus is my Savior and my Redeemer. He's redeemed me from sin. And so we've got choices to make. Jesus came on Palm Sunday. He went into Jerusalem to take away, to make us right with God in the long run, in the long haul. That was his purpose, not to overthrow. He will someday, but he went in to do away with our sin. And so Jesus wants us to see. He asked the multitudes three times, what did you go out to see then? What did you want to see? A show, he asked them. What did you want to go see? What did you want to see? What did you want to see? Blessed is those who see him as Savior and Lord. And our expectations are this. I just want to end with this here. We have choices to make. As we understand that Jesus went on Palm Sunday into Jerusalem with a mission to save us from our sins. We have choices to make. Do we expect Jesus? Do we want to have choices, choices, choices? People preach Jesus and people preach that you come to Jesus, you'll get rich. I believe God is a God who prospers us, who prospers believers. But Jesus expects one thing. When he comes into our lives, he expects us to seek after righteousness. Not riches, righteousness. To have righteousness, not to have riches. When you have righteousness... God will add everything else. But when you seek after riches above righteousness, we're out of order. We're out of line. We're missing the whole mark. Jesus went into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday that we might see him as Savior and seek after righteousness above all things. When he went into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday as Savior, he wanted us to seek and after faith, not after the filth, of this world. When Jesus went into Jerusalem on that Sunday, he didn't want us to seek after treachery and lies, but after truth and light. When he went into Jerusalem, he didn't want to go for us to seek after pleasure, but after purity. When he went into Jerusalem, he didn't want us to seek, he wanted us to seek the way of the word, not the way of the world. And when he went into Jerusalem, he wanted us to have Jesus, not someone or something else. So when Jesus went into Jerusalem on that Sunday, on Palm Sunday, they were crying Hosanna. But Jesus wanted them to cry Hosanna in a new way, that they would say, Lord, I want purity in my life. I want righteousness in my life. I want I want to have my sins washed away and cleansed in my life. People seek after the Lord for many other things. But what the Lord wants us to seek after above all things is His righteousness, His purity, His holiness, His word, His way. And so when the people, when we cry Hosanna, 
we should be crying, Lord, Lord, come into my life. And Lord, wash, thank you for washing my sins away. I want to be righteous. I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to be living for you, Lord God. These are the things we need to cry out as a believers and as a church. And these are the things we are to seek after. The Bible declares, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you besides. So in this world, people are running after all kinds of things. Where you see the markets collapsing, people are going to come to Jesus and say, I want my money back. Give me my money back, Jesus. Oh, Lord, Lord. But are they going to run to Jesus and say, Lord, I want my righteousness back. I want to live righteously. Why are you going to run to Jesus? For righteousness or for riches? Lord, restore this one's money. Restore their riches. No, 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 no. Take all their riches if you have to, if if that's what it's going to take to restore their righteousness. We've got to cry for righteousness in our lives. We've got to cry for purity and faith in our lives. Jesus, and I'm going to close with this. Jesus went into Jerusalem. He was setting a roadway and a pathway because Jesus, as he walked into Jerusalem, you know what he saw? Beyond the cross, he saw the entranceway to your heart, the entranceway to your life. Jesus went into Jerusalem so that he could enter into your life, so that he could be in your boat. That's what Jesus wants us to see about Palm Sunday, is that he went into Jerusalem with a purpose to enter into your heart, into your life, that he may purify you, that he may give you a hunger for righteousness, to live rightly, to give you a hunger for purity, to give you a passion for his word, to build up your most holy faith. And Jesus says, walk with me. I'll never leave you, forsake me. When I come again, I'm going to overthrow the kingdoms of this world and establish my righteous rule. But until that day, I've entered into your life to purify you, to give you righteousness, to bring righteousness into your life, to bring holiness into your life. Be in the world, be not of the world. Don't be polluted by this world and its teachings and its advertisements and its filth and its perversions and everything else. Take the word of God and hide it in your heart that you may not sin against him. Jesus went into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday that he may come into your life and make a new creation out of you, one who lives to God for righteousness and holiness. Stand with me this morning.